When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Monsters of Socks episode 20. Dan, who's playing in uh, Thursday Night Football tonight? I didn't know. Wait, hold on. First of all, is Jake coming? You invited Jake. He's not coming. Uh, I invited him, but he's not coming. Gotcha. Okay. Um, I did not know. That the NFL was starting tonight until you mentioned it to me. In Slack. All right. Is that what you wanted to record last night? Did you want to record last that night? Part of, that was part of oh, it. Oh, yeah. Jesus. <laughs> what? It's, I mean, yeah. I'm going to be watching while we play. That's fine. <laughs> we already we lost one podcast to the football industrial complex. complex which one, which one was that? <laughs> we couldn't pod last week because you had to draft. Oh yeah, which I true. which well, I yeah, realized. Okay, I, I got I got to be I I got to be clean come clean about that. That's that's like the literally the one time a year that me and like the boys <laughs> we had a zoom we had a zoom and everything. Yeah, and everybody caught up, and um, I regret nothing. I was gonna say, like two days later, I had the thought that we should have. I mean, I guess it, it doesn't work if, if you're actually good friends with the, the people in the league. It doesn't work. But my it's because I was on a Zoom. Was... Like I I I shelved the podcast to do the Zoom. If it was yeah. just a draft, I would have done both at the same time. Like me and yeah. watching. That's what I was gonna say. We should have like we we should have potted while you're doing it. And I could have helped you out. No, you suggesting because you're because you're bad. It would have been a lot of Tom Tupa suggestions for me. Dude, <laughs> that's, just, that's what it's all about. Dude, Tom Tupa. You know, Scott Seacules was a quarterback and punter for the Patriots. And once I looked him up on Google, and there was one Scott Seacules in America. And I was like, oh, I found you. It was you. Uh, the, the fun part about talking about the football season is that for many teams, the baseball season is effectively over, and the Red Sox might just be one of those teams. Uh, hold on, that's actually. I said might. I said might. Yes, you said might, and we all in the Red Sox have been saying it for a long time. Um, and don't get me wrong, I'm not optimistic about anything, but I think what people are failing to realize is that we are only in year two of this new postseason format. And so, wow. Well, you have to make, so here's the thing. You have to make it into the postseason format to compete in it. And they're correct. Yes. They're not going to. Correct. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for filling me in on that. No, but my point was going to be, (laughs) my point was going to be that while, you know, five games entering September historically has been pretty insurmountable. That's because in the past you needed better teams to collapse. Now you only need mediocre teams to collapse. 
because we're, you know, because you're, you're down to the putting the sixth best team in the league in the playoffs. And I don't know how often mediocre teams collapse, but I know it's more often than good teams for sure. And so I wonder if, uh, you know, I mean, the odds are what they are, and I trust the numbers, and I think the Sox number currently sits at like 7% right now. Um, but I wouldn't be surprised if over the next decade we see a lot more wild card three collapses going forward and teams similar to the Sox end up making the postseason after they thought they were out of it. I mean, that's entirely true, but it's... A I mean, Texas of- is pathetic right now. <laughs> the yeah, Blue Jays... And they're, still, and they're still four and a half games ahead of the Red Sox. I don't think the Red Sox are going to make the postseason. Um, right. Well, the other part is these teams making the postseason. Like, as much as we say these are short series and anything can happen, which is true. It's obviously true. Plainly. Uh, the better teams often uh, end up winning because they're uh, better at baseball. Yeah, I don't know. Look, Dan, is. we didn't record last week. I need, I need, I have, I have weight. I need to release upon the general public i know we really picked a bad week to not record let's this just is before, what happens before you, you release the win i know toddler age <laughs> when camp ends and school hasn't started yeah like before you release everything off your shoulders i think we do need to just quickly recap like because it seems like a really long time ago now even though we only missed one week we should recap like what what we didn't talk about we didn't talk about the Dodgers series at all. We previewed it. We did not talk about Mookie Betts returning to Fenway and everything that happened those three days. We didn't talk about the Astros series, which may have ended the Red Sox season. We didn't talk about the Kyle Baraclaw game. We haven't talked about oh, Alex Cora. Oh, the Kyle Baraclaw game. Yeah, I might have a couple <laughs> things to say about that. Maybe. Maybe. So, is there anything else? But what, like, what else? We didn't talk about Alex Verdugo and Haim Bloom having a forty-minute conversation oh, on the that. field in Fenway Park. I don't care Park. about that shit. Like that. That stuff is all just. <clears throat> it's embarrassing for everybody involved, uh, especially in light of Mookie lighting us up, which. I mean, all respect. I, I know your Stockholm syndrome with Mookie. You want the best for him, and <laughs> that must be exciting for you because he's living his best fucking life. He sure is. He was at the. Did you see his his? I don't know if you saw this. This made the rounds. Messi visited the LA Galaxy last week, and it, the the guest list made the rounds, and it was an insane guest list. Obviously, as you would and expect. Mookie is on it. And Mookie was on it. He was, yeah. To see that, that, uh, I mean, that is the type of thing that just makes me incredibly depressed. It's like that is, mm-hmm. that speaks for itself. Now, yeah, part of it is that he's in LA and like has become an LA star. Well, that's kind of what I meant in my piece saying I'm sort of happy for him. He's, he's become something he, never would have become in Boston. It's not necessarily better or worse, but it's different. And it, whatever it is, it clearly he's happy. He's in a good place in life. And it's, it's It's not exactly the same as Manny would, uh, though Manny's post trade performance (laughs) on the Dodgers is one of the, 
I mean, it, I think it Legendary. rivals Mookie's yeah. August in in one of the big, one of the almost insane heaters I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. It would be like if Mookie had that August right after he was traded midseason. But I, I mean, my my thing is the Kyle Barakal game that changed <laughs> everything. I thought about as much as I've talked about Haim Bloom. I think I've always tried to give some sort of benefit of the doubt to the marriage of a long-term plan and a short-term coach. But when you didn't have enough pitchers to complete a game against one of what should be your major rivals, it finally dawned, like, I <coughs> should be fired, and I, I had never thought that. But now I think he I might, think a lot of people would be really surprised to hear you say that. I, yeah, but, 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 I, but I don't think that I'm – I don't think it's – I think I know I what hated that he traded Mookie, but I knew what he was up to. But when you were not fielding – competitive major league ro- like when you're fielding deficient major league rosters that is a giant that is a bigger red flag to me than even the Mookie trade because the Mookie trade obviously came from on high and you've been justifying it every which way since then whatever it came from on high not having enough pitchers to complete a game in late August when you might be competing is an abdication of your responsibility. It's crazy. It made me think like somebody said something, I don't remember who, but it was like, who should, who I actually do remember, but it's like, if you were going to fire Haim, who would you replace him with? I'm like, you should honestly just get Haim and Dombo to just change places every five years. Just go back and forth. Because if Haim is the the minor league whisperer and the scout revitalizer, I was trying to avoid saying that he actually had deficiencies in building major league lineups because I thought that we weren't supposed to judge him on the major major league lineups until now. But the Kyle Barakal game changed me definitively and it it would surprise me if he wasn't back next year but it wouldn't disappoint me all right so uh, let me ask a baseline question first about the bear claw game okay so i'm assuming based on what you just said about uh, about how bad it is that the red sox were in a position with no pitchers you are taking at face value the public explanation from the Red Sox that Alex Cora was told you have Jansen, Martin, and Bearclaw and no one else. Because there was a lot of speculation in real time that maybe Cora was up to something else. I take everything at face value. And I think that isn't exonerating in any way for high and bloom. Because what confuses me about that explanation, 
that it's that they truly had no one. Bear Claw came up that day. That is right? your job, High and Bloom, to have enough pitchers <laughs> to play a fucking yeah. game. And it, and the thing is, like Bear Claw came up that day, and Bear Claw is not a relief pitcher; he's a starter. He's a starter who had put up some superficially no, he's decent an numbers in Worcester. Player, as you made yes. the point <laughs> yes. repeatedly on the Slack, he's an independent yeah. league player. He started. He started this season in the independent leagues. He had some superficially decent numbers in AAA, but if you looked under the hood, he wasn't striking anybody out. Like it, it, he was there. There's there's nothing to Kyle Bearclaw. So right from the get-go, what confuses me about the whole incident and their explanation of it is if they woke up that day knowing that they only had Jansen and Martin, why is Barraclaw the guy you go to instead of a likely more effective pitcher who actually is used to pitching out of relief, like Joe Jakes, who was down there? Not that Joe Jakes is anything special. He's obviously not. But if you're like, okay, shit, we have Martin and Jansen and no one to bridge to them, why don't you go with someone who's likely to be a better bridge than Kyle Bearclaw? And I have an answer. So that's I have an answer. Because Kyle <clears throat> Bloom is not good at that. And I maybe do, that I never yeah, maybe that's to the answer. say this because he's a smart guy. He knows what he's doing. He knows what he's doing better than I know what he's doing. <clears throat> this was so egregious in, especially in the face of they didn't make any major deals at the deadline. And what the players said were, was, hey, look, Hyam's letting us compete. And, and like, we're, we're going to compete, right? But this is not help competing. Lila, would you like to say hello? No. Okay, Lila doesn't. Lila, <laughs> who is who has emerged from her room when she's supposed to be asleep. Uh, I not get a job. I have three jobs. I get out of here. <laughs> get out of here. I'm yelling at High and Bloom, not you. Get out of here. Go to go to bed. My daughter, ladies and gentlemen, just started third grade. Just started third Congratulations. grade. Yeah. Big, big one for you. How old is your oldest? Just started first grade. Just started first grade. Yeah, Three days what, ago. Uh, yeah. That's what her younger brother did. <clears throat> Lila, go to bed. If Lila, we ever. You're, you're ruining if... the podcast. I don't think I disagree. You're not ruining it, Lila. You're not ruining it. Get out of here. If we ever you already do did. a new Go ahead. Intro. Say hi. Hi, <laughs> I'm gonna guess that's, that she called you a poo head. That uh, that's the sixth out. time I've this is the sixth time I've been called some variation of poop head yeah, by a child today. It happens. You got more on the way too. Believe me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I love man. That's if we ever do uh, like do, do a new intro song and do like one of those ones that podcasts do where it's like clips of of you know funny one liners. Why don't you get a job? <laughs> it's got to be in there. <laughs> it's crazy because like. 
I mean, I, and I will say this, and our listeners can hear this. This is literally the brokest day of my entire life, and I don't think I will ever be as broke <laughs> as I am today. Tomorrow, oh, it's man. like it goes back up. It's crazy. It's like it's 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 absolutely <clears throat> true, and it's crazy. Uh, but yeah, I, getting back to the Boston Red Sox baseball club, uh, man, it's just. It's tough. Like I'm happy to see Raphael up there. Uh, I I love seeing Raphael up there. Of course, of that course. Was, this guy. I mean, this guy is such an athlete. Not. I don't want to change the subject too much. We can have a Raphael segment later. But like, just the way he, the way he yeah. just moves. Do you, do you in every still movement. have hope? Do you still have any hope? Uh no I I mean what do you well do I think they're gonna make the postseason no am I like uh, I'm you know but they I still think they can and I still would like them to I I don't think they're going to and I'm not gonna you know delude myself but I think they can oh Sam's here now. <laughs> Sam, can you say hello, Red Sox Nation? Hello, Red Sox Nation. Sam, you got what's go up, dude? But I know what's in my bed. Okay, get out, get out. I will come get her out of your bed. Go, get out of here. It's too late. You guys gotta go to sleep. Don't eat the dog. I think it's I think it's melatonin time. Yeah, break, break um, out the old melatonin. CBD. Let's let's CBD up these kids. Yeah, that'll do it. Or just give them give them the the uh, the pinky of whiskey. Like here you go. Well, I'm sure if they go to if bed, walk... guys, stop. I don't care. Go oh. to bed. <laughs> All right, come in. Okay. What do you think about the Kyle Baraclaw game? Say it stinks. It stinks. My God, this guy knows everything. (laughs) What do you think about the Mookie trade, dude? What do you think about the Mookie trade? Say it's the worst. It's the worst. (laughs) Is Don Raphael going to hit? Where do you punch your dad? In the ball. My kids don't know that term. Yeah, well, he does. He's, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. not just saying that. Um, all right, hold on. We're going to have a little... What? Let me look at the time. This is a great time for a commercial break. So here we're going to take one. We're back. I love that the uh, only thing that can make me remember the commercial break is my kids take coming out here break. to cause chaos. Yeah. Uh, what yeah. were you talking about? What, I mean, what do you no, feel about the Kyle Baraclaw game? I mean, like, it's like, I, 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 was that a new fucking point for you? Um, no, I don't think it was an inflection point because I don't think they like they haven't been fielding full teams for two full years. They went into last year without a starting right fielder. They traded away their starting right fielder. 
They replaced him with uh, someone everyone assumed was going to be a fourth outfielder because he was literally the worst qualified hitter in baseball the year before. He ended up starting for some reason. They went into this year without a starting shortstop. You know, so no, it's not. It, it, it's the, the fact that the the 25 man and the 40 man is, is being mismanaged is, is not terribly surprising to me. Oh, that's not cool. That's not nice. All right, hold on. Come on. Come on. Come on. Let's just pick this up in like 20 minutes or so. No, we're good now. We're good now. They, they, they know. I'm just going mean, gonna... to. She's asking to read at night. You should be. You should well, be except, except for like the reading means that she's awake, which means she can fuck with her brother. And mm. like she only wants to read because that's the last option for trolling. Yeah. All right. Uh, That's, let's I mean, we'll, we'll, we'll come back. Uh, I'm just going to cut everything from when I did the first thing. Okay. All right. <clears throat> so. Are you afraid okay. of Jim, no. Jason Dominguez as I am? Were you? <laughs> um, I, I'm going to have to take a look at Jason Dominguez because I had been under the impression earlier this year that he was hitting some roadblocks in the minors. So and apparently he, that's not the case. He's sort of been an object lesson for me in <clears throat> all the, most of the, like the, the scouting today is not the same as the scouting is even 10 years ago or 20 years ago. Scouting is very right. good. And he is a perfect example of someone who seemed to have hit a temporary wall in minor league baseball, but mm-hmm. especially at his age, because he's an international signing, like he's 20 now, broke through the wall. But we I are so content there. hungry that when he hit that wall, we were like, my God, he must suck. Yeah. And look, I think some fallow days ahead, but the guy does not suck. Well, TBD. There's plenty of time. Do you know who didn't suck for a time? Gary Sanchez. Uh, uh, you know, Gary but, Sanchez, whatever. future Red Sox catcher. Gary Sanchez. <laughs> well, Kyle Teal, future Red Sox catcher. He's going to beat him to Fenway. That's true. That's true. Um, That's true. But yeah, I, I mean – there, there are some. You're, you're right about how scouting is different now, and how the you know statistical analysis is different now. I mean, we're seeing this. Roman Anthony um, seems to hit a little bit of a stumbling block as well in Greenville, and they just promoted him to Portland. And I the mean, reasons why? I mean, G- like, G- Jesus's life wasn't, <laughs> you know, without difficulties. So it wasn't, and his underlying we, metrics we can't expect show Roman that, Anthony that just he was just fly through life without problems because yeah. you know it's it's overcoming. But I, even like the Red Sox said today when they talked about it, they were like they were like, yeah, we've been looking at it, but his swing is actually faster. Like they're like his swing got faster in Greenville. 
even as he seemed to be struggling with strikeouts for a few weeks there. So they're like, they're like, we just weren't worried about it. Um, and they pushed him aggressively. And I think that's a good thing. Like I have thought for years, years, years that minor leaguers should be pushed more aggressively. And I think, especially at the very high end, like the, the absolute, like the, the guys that become the best players in the game, I think for the most part, they already could do that at the major league level when they're like 20 years old, if not some of them when they're like 19. And we just don't do that. And I it's get the that Soto, for a number the of reasons. Soto model it's, is what you're saying. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and so, Mookie, you know, I Mookie get why teams are too. conservative. Like, well, in terms of the speed, in terms of the speed in which he threw, flew up the system, sure, absolutely. Um, so I like it. Uh, you know, I like seeing it. And I, and I, and I, I hate right to now. say this, but. And I think they did it. Um, not simply to get him expertise, but to juice, say, just juice interest is uh, Dominguez also. Like, I think that that is a perfect example of that. They he's may 20. have. And I'm, he's 20. And I'm he's fine like, with if, that too. If a 20 year old <laughs> is playing in the majors, there's like, there's some sort of reasoning behind it uh either he's transcendent and he's not at the moment like he's not a rod like you know obviously yeah or uh wander franco who also is not um in in the majors yeah well it was interesting i don't know tomasi wrote uh a little shit stirring piece either today or yesterday just noting because it's not just because jason dominguez who is the same age as Marcelo Meyer is now in the major leagues. Oh uh, yes. And Jordan Lawler. Jordan Lawler, who was picked two spots after Marcelo Meyer, is now in the major leagues. And Marcelo Meyer, of course, absolutely did hit a stumbling block in Portland for sure. He had under 200 in a small sample size. I think he played 43 games in Portland this year. They shut him down this week. He's not going to return from shoulder inflammation, but they say the injury is not serious. So Tomasi wrote a little piece. Oh, look at this. You know, Meyer's supposedly the, you know, the savior. And yet it's one guy who's the same age and another guy who's the same draft as him. You know, they're up before him. I mean, whatever. Prospects develop at very different rates. Also, Mayer isn't even the number one prospect in the system anymore. Uh, it depends who you talk to. I think. Sure, <laughs> I, sure. I would, yeah, sure. But it depends who you talk to. But but I think that in and of itself, if, not, I mean, to the extent Jason that that's true, number one prospect in the Yankees system. So yeah, point taken. Um, but I mean, and you can't even compare. Like, you, first of all, you can't compare players from the Dominican who sign when they're 16 years old and who, frankly, for the three years before they turn 16, are are semi-professional as it is because a lot of these guys is the high-end talent in the Dominican. They're, they're spotted by, by the, the Buscones very early on. And they are basically living like semi-professional baseball lives from the time they're like 13 to 16. And then they sign with the major league team. You cannot compare them at all with American kids in terms of the speed of development. Um, so right off the bat, that comparison is, dumb and stupid and it's stupid Jordan Lawler's a different person too and Marcelo Meyer is hurt um, it's okay to be concerned with the development of Marcelo Meyer it's a, we all should be cautious with every prospect every single one and this goes for Yankee fans about Jason Dominguez too 
Like we all should be cautious about everything. Yeah, I don't think that this is going to continue. Like I think that he's going to hit a very difficult period. <clears throat> of course he is. Like yeah, look he's at, not the greatest hitter of all time. Look at Volpe. Yeah. Like it's you know, it, it is the you know this is football opening night, and it's difficult for a lot of rookies to come in and play in the NFL. I don't think. There is a bigger jump than going from AAA hitting or college hitting to major league hitting in all the sports. I just don't think. Oh, I and and not only that, but I think the jump has gotten harder yes. in recent it's, years. It's very, calling, it's, it very much seems to have. Yes. Yeah, the culling of the minor league system. I think you know that that had its most profound effect down the system. Particularly with low A, it seems if you you know if you you hear from a lot of scouts and evaluators that that low A is now significantly worse than it used to be because they got rid of the New York Penn League that served as that sort of in between step in between complex of rookie ball Wait, and A ball. So are the Brooklyn Cyclones still? Do they still exist? They still exist. Yeah, they were take the Mets made them their. Uh, the double A team, I think, or maybe even triple A. Team. No, not double A because right. that's not that's Bingham. That's the Rumble Pony. Let's see, single uh, A. It's got to be single A or high maybe. A. Or well, for years their their triple A team was out like West, right? And that was always a problem for them. Oh yeah, okay, yeah. Brooklyn is high A. Yeah, you can't put a triple A team in that stadium. Uh, it's way too small. Amazing. Um, so stadium. yes, they are now they are now in the stadium. South Atlantic League. It, it's it like really it's is. like the it's like the Giants. It's like the it is literally the high A version of the Giants Stadium. I quick quick Coney Island talk. I love Coney Island. I really do. And I, I use it's like that, it's but, great. It's, no, but but there are people who don't. And when I when I lived in New right. York, it's, it's, I it's used that as a litmus test for yeah. I used that as a litmus test for like if I if if you if you told me you didn't like Coney Island, I was like, I probably don't like you because yeah. you're right. It is like is it a little dirty? Sure. Is no, it also the only dirty. place it's in New York City? Dirty. And the beach is It's not also the like, only place in New York City where you can walk around with a beer. It's so like that alone makes like, it worth it's visiting. So what is so this is great. My um growing up on Martha's Vineyard, the uh, my science teacher in grade six through eight was a guy from Coney from Brooklyn. And he just told us stories about Coney Island all the time. Stefan Marbury stories. Yeah, no, it was a little bit before Steph's time. But <laughs> Steph, Steph is a Steph is like a, a truly great uh, ambassador for Coney Island with his fifteen dollars shoes and whatnot. Yeah, that is but, wonderful. That is uh, true. I I I actually think I've told the story on the before about my brother when I lived in Astoria which is the exact opposite end of the end line from uh, Coney Island he came to visit me and I went home early and uh, he was out with his boys and he got on the train and he took it north toward Astoria and then he woke up and he heard this last stop on the train and he ran out and what had happened was he had fallen asleep <clears throat> through being in the story all the way down to Coney Island. And he <laughs> took one look at the conductor and the conductor looked at him and he opened the doors back up and he took it back. back. 
(laughs) Anyhow, that's, that's, that's your New York talk sponsored by Ray's pizza. Ray's pizza. It's not, it's not worth talking about. Um, It's not as ubiquitous as New Yorkers make it out to be. No, it's really not at all. I've seen, I've seen, I've seen like two of them. You know what it is? It's where, it's where like the Long Island people go. They see the Ray's Mm. pizza. Like that to them. Like, oh, that's what it is. Yeah. It's like, oh yeah, I went to Ray's Pizza. It's you know, and then there's the same yeah. shit as everyone. Um, anyhow, there's a pizza place in Fort Greene called Not Ray's Pizza. You which know, I there's many of was those. a little too there, cute. There's cause... that's not the only one. There's several of them. So there's more Not Ray's than there are Ray's. Is that what we're figuring out here on this podcast? This today? is very niche, and nobody cares who we're <laughs> listening to. Fort Greene is like nobody's listening anymore. Your kids have interrupted twice. Fort, Fort Greene. Well, no, they only interrupted once. I cut the other interruption. Through the magic um, of podcasting, they only that. interrupted once. That's true. Fort Greene is where like the most amazing looking people in the world live and I love Fort in Green. harmony. It's incredible. Anyhow, did you um, see did you see the remake of the Spike Lee Do the Right Thing, the TV I, show series? I didn't see it. You should. Like the original movie, it is shot in and around Fort Green. Um does a nice job capturing the neighborhood, I think. The nice part about all this is that I'm the guy who lives in New York, but Dan is the guy who lived here for a little bit, which means he wants to talk about it. I lived there for eight years. That's oh, okay. That's that's a lot. That's a lot. Yeah, explains why you can tolerate me, frankly. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Okay. Um, yeah, Fort Greene, Coney Island. I've seen them all. I was at Coney Island on Fourth of July, actually. And I've okay. watched the fireworks from the Wonder Wheel. But you didn't go to the firework hot dog. You didn't go to the hot dog thing, right? No, I didn't do that. Of course not. I went I went to the Cyclones game that evening. And then my wife and I went to the we were like, let's go to the beach for the fireworks. The beach was insanely crowded and dirty. We were like, hey, I wonder we we're like, hey, the line for the Ferris wheel is probably so super you're telling long, me the right? beach was crowded because I know it's dirty. <laughs> Yes, yes. And so we went to the Ferris wheel and there was no line. We went up and that's where we watched the fireworks. All right, so I have a question for you. Uh, This is is a real question. What is there worth getting excited about about the Red Sox? Now, like (laughs) Sam Kennedy said, oh, we know defense and uh, pitching wins titles. And that's not even true. That's like what you say. The defense doesn't. Defense, people, I, this is actually something that bothers me. Like, bad defensive teams are very, very good in baseball all the time. Yes. And like I the feel 2004 like the, the, Red Sox, very yeah. specifically, were terrible. Yeah, although, at theoretically, and they although theoretically, the if you listen to Theo, that's why famously. they traded Nomar. But um, that's what bothers no, me. You're as right. much like, as anything about all this is like, he's. Like Sam Kennedy is my least favorite Red Sox employee by far. Yes. And he <laughs> says these things because he because they sound good. But that's not yeah. What he said was not true in any way, shape, right. or form. No, it's not. Well, and no, I okay. Hate, in one I way, hate, shape I hate or when form, I hear like people pitching, say pitching never hurts. Sure, of course. Like, yes. Yeah, no, pitching wins championships in baseball. 
I do believe that is true. It, defense is irrelevant. And I think people, people get that phrase from other sports and then import it to baseball. And it's just, it is simply not true, but like they, the pitching staff, yeah, they do need to work on that in terms of like, what's, what am I excited to watch? I mean, am I excited to see them try and get into the postseason? Sure. It's always it's always exciting to get in the dance if you can. Mostly I'm excited about Raffaella right now. Like I want to see him play every single day for the rest of the year. Right. I want to see I want to see how good Kafis can get. I want to see if Yoshida can pull out of this awful slump that he's in. Um I want to see Bayo finish the year strong. I I was just That's probably it in terms of what excites me. Yeah, I mean I was a little worried about Sam Kennedy implying that the five-year project starts now. Yeah. Um, I don't know if that was the at the same time. At the same time, <clears throat> everything he says is bullshit, so it's, it doesn't much matter. Uh, I do understand. Well, they said going into the office. Yoshida would be hitting it hitting a wall right now that that makes yeah. intellectual sense to me uh Casas, he played his first competitive game on march 8th yeah Masataki Yoshida did like think about that march 8th that's when he played well, his first all to wall competitive game oh i mean the world baseball classic was competitive that's that's what I'm referring to. Oh, <laughs> first okay. game of the World Baseball Classic. <laughs> you you're like, get a little tired here, Brian. Yes, very <laughs> much so. Very much so. Yes, he played his first competitive game on March 8th. He's played, if you count the World Baseball Classic, he's played 130 games this year. Last year, he played 120. The Japanese league only only plays 145 if you play every one. Um, as we've discussed before on this pod in Japan, they travel by train everywhere. They don't have to do five hour flights to Seattle. Five of the teams, five of the teams are in greater Tokyo. This is so honestly, if you play, this is a, this is a note for major league baseball that, you know, is that if we were going to distribute teams by market size, New York would have like, Five teams, yeah, for sure. Yeah, in ev- in every other uh, sports league in the world where they don't operate like London, under the, the sort of closed the, like, cartel system, yeah, like the, the Premier League, there are many many teams in London because there are many, many, many people teams, in London. Yeah. yeah, yeah, for sure. So yeah, like if you're if you're a Japanese player and you play on one of those five Tokyo teams. You play on the road, and then you go sleep in your own bed. <laughs> it's a lot. You do that a lot all season long. So, yes, it is. It is Life is much, much harder in the major leagues. That's before we even talk about the fact that he doesn't speak the goddamn language. Anyone who's been to a foreign country for, like, over a week knows that eventually – it doesn't matter, doesn't matter what country it is. It doesn't matter how beautiful it is. It doesn't, how, it doesn't matter how happy you are to be there. Eventually, and it usually only takes me like two weeks. Like you hit a point where it's like, I'm sick of 
not hearing my own language when I leave the hotel at all. Like it just, it as enlightened as you want to be and as much as you want that from travel, like it, it grinds you down. It really does grind you down because you have to be, when you're in a foreign country, you have to be so alert to everything because you can't just go down the street on autopilot. Yoshida's been doing that since February, but for a small blip where he then flew halfway across the world to play competitive baseball in Japan and came back. He's been doing that since February. Like, I don't know how, I really don't know how any of these guys do it. I really, really don't. It's crazy. And I broke down his numbers for a piece on the site today. Like it's very, in his play, it's very clear what's happening to him too. He is just swinging at off-speed pitches outside of the zone right now, wildly at a way higher rate than he was doing earlier this season, a way higher rate than he's done ever in his career for a guy that every single season in Japan walked more than he struck out. So I'm not worried about him. I think he'll be fine. And uh, so, you know, I hope he pulls out of it, but I'm not going to like freak out if he doesn't. I am a little worried about his fit on the team next year. And I don't really know. Look, we just said that defense doesn't win championships, but they still need to fix it. (laughs) You can't can't be this bad. You can be a bad defensive team and win the World Series. This Red Sox team is the worst defensive team I've ever seen in my life. Not just the Red Sox. Any baseball team I've ever seen. Right, so this is like... It's very funny to me that Epstein got shit on because of how bad his defensive team was. And that was almost 20 years ago. And now Bloom is putting together a worse defensive team, I think, plainly. Yeah. Oh, unquestionably. And I mean, no one knew it's just part of the process. It's just part of the process. Yeah. But it well, seems, the it problem is crazy to me. I, I, again, want High and Bloom to succeed, but increasingly everything that seems to be a trademark of his seems to be the opposite of either the trend in the league or like the goal that the Red Sox can actually reach. And it, and it's, it's a little maddening and I only now, only now after everything I've said about bloom, whatever, only now would I, would I not be surprised if he got replaced? Like people are talking this year, you hate the, you hate football. I get it. The game is going on right now. We get it. We all get it, Dan, but people are talking like, Oh, Bill Belichick, if he isn't good this year, is he get fired? No, Bill Belichick is not, not fired, guys. Never, not, ever, ever getting fired. No, yeah. never, never. <clears throat> but could High and Bloom get fired? Yes, because I think there could be a disconnect here that is widening based on the things that, based on things like the the Kyle. Barraqua game, which which is embarrassing yeah. to the whole organization, and as we've talked about, owners don't want to be embarrassed. They really don't. Yeah. At the same time, yeah. it does illustrate not simply embarrassment, 
a lack of a holistic approach to the team. Yes, okay, maybe we're not going to win this year, but as I said to the people after the trade line, when we did trade deadline, we didn't do very much. Hey, but look, we're giving you, now it's up to you. Now it's up to you to go do it. This is the opposite of that. That is, it's like, it's up to you to go do it, except for you have one pitcher who is in the, in the independent league and is named after a donut. Like that's, I, I don't, I would well, not. What, so what you said about the problem being holistic, that is the problem. And I don't know what I, what the issue is. I don't know whether it's intentional or not because high and bloom, as we've discussed many times is it targets value and you can very easily defend almost every trade he makes almost every player he picks up based on that metric alone, based simply on does this player uh, have an opportunity to provide some surplus value such that, you know, we're not given up too much to get him. And just take a look at the Christian Vasquez trade from last year. They got Emmanuel Valdez and Willie or Brave. Neither Emmanuel Valdez or Willie or Brave are likely to be stars. They're probably not even likely to be long-term major leaguers in the sense that almost no prospect is likely to be such except for the super prospects. Um, well, but they're pretty Wander good Franco, bets that, be, that, that he was he didn't end up being that. Yeah. But they're pretty good bets to be at least somewhat effective contributors to the major leagues over the next five or six years. One of them is. And if you're trading, if you if you're able to get that for two months of a of a catcher, a, a catcher who was league average at best, then that in a vacuum is a good trade. From a big picture, you just traded your starting catcher on a team that was still in the postseason hunt. And even if he is only league average at best, and Vasquez maybe wasn't even that last year and isn't that this year, your starting catcher is such an important figure on your team, right? And so and that's the thing. And you can look at it with Yoshida as well. I like Yoshida. I think he's going to bounce back. I think he's a good signing. Red Sox did not need Masataka Yoshida this offseason. They needed starting pitching. They had the fifth worst ERA in baseball last year. Um, but he didn't see an opportunity to make a good deal on the pitching side. He saw an opportunity to make a good deal on it, with Masataki Yoshida. And so we end up with an incredibly imbalanced roster where we have at least three guys in Yoshida, Devers, and Casas who right now look like they should be DHs instead of in the field. Although Casas is young, the scouting reports were good on him in the minors. I've not given up my faith on him turning into at least a good enough first baseman. But so you end up with three guys who probably should be DHs. You have very little right-handed power anywhere on the team at all. And you have a bullpen a starting rotation entirely made of question marks. <laughs> because what he does, it's, it's like, you know, Hyatt Bloom is – is a guy who he leaves the house with a shopping list 
but refuses to buy anything that's not a deal. And so when he comes home, he doesn't have the things he needs, but he didn't overpay for anything. I mean, now, the question I is, think that the, 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 the Chris sale contract is the greatest thing that ever happened to high end to him because he can just be like, Hey, I can't do what I want to do because of this. Oh, uh, sorry. I, I would love yeah. to do X, Y, and Z, but we got to pay for sale. And my opinion sale. has been from the moment he traded Mookie is that if, and this is directed right at the Bluminati. Listen to me. Listen. Listen, people. If he is good enough to do all this stuff, with Chris Sale under contract or with Mookie not under contract. He's good enough to do it the opposite way. There's, it's so, it's so tedious to me. It's like, this is, you and I talked about this on somebody saying, uh, well, actually, Bloom's job is to rebuild the minor leagues. <laughs> oh, you fucking think that's what he was hired to do? Oh, thanks. Thanks. We, that didn't, was, realize, that was ridiculous. we didn't realize that that is what the, the Red Sox were into when they when – they, I don't want to just pile on one random tweet, but, yes, the, the implication that Hyam Bloom well, that doesn't actually make trades. Me, so I figure that it's, they're, they're fair game. Yeah. They're yeah, the implication that like, oh, actually, uh, yeah, High and Bloom builds the organization. He doesn't actually make the trades and decide who's on the forty-man roster. <laughs> that was insane. It's not. It's this not, is it's, such an insane. It's crazy. It's that this is all yeah. your job, man. Everything. It's yeah. all of it. But um, do we have something else to talk about? <laughs> We have talked. We have talked about. We have. It's, we have it's, gone over this exact same subject. Like five pods in a row. September somethings, and we don't. We're not going to make the playoffs, probably. Um, probably. We talked about the the youngsters. Uh, what do you think of Rafaela so far? I mean, he hasn't gotten many chances to start, which is strange. And uh, I know the, that the league doesn't seem to have adjusted to the league doesn't seem to be. I mean, this always happens when whenever a, a prospect comes up, major league pitchers just want to see if they can blow heat by him. Um, and eventually, I mean, he's hitting it. Eventually, the book's going to uh, get around. It, like, Oh, just Eric, don't throw him strikes. Eric Longenhagen is not a big fan. Well, there, that, there are there are many evaluators who are not. Yeah says that the Red um, Sox system in general was just like take pitches and that's it. Like that's the, yeah, the, yeah, I saw that. I saw so, that but, but that's important to me in the sense that I'm not saying it's true. I yeah, that's I think that's like where, where is he? and almost certainly not true. At the same time, if the entirety of the value of Bloom is revamping scouting and the minor league system. I don't want to hear shit like that. 
yeah. I yeah, I no, I agree. I don't I don't I'm not taking that what he said about this, you know, them not actually teaching approaches at the plate. I don't where's he hearing that from? Like players are grumbling to him. Also who coaches like, are like also as much he's as not you in the meetings approaches no at the plate at like double A level, you kinda like these guys are kinda just baseball players. The only thing I can think you of sort of, you that sort he's of just guide to, them. Yeah. The only thing that I could think of that he's referring to, and this did get out, is that there were this happened in spring training. The Red Sox coaching staff working with Rafaela in an attempt to get him to be more selective. At certain points, they did tell him, "You have one at bat today, and in that one at bat, you are allowed to swing once." Or yeah, not that he had one at bat, but they told him that they were like, "You're like all day today, you get one swing every at bat," and that like that's obviously not that's obviously an exercise designed to get him to start seeing pitches in a different way than he's ever seen them before. I, when I saw that thing that Longard said about yeah, the Red Sox coaches just tell people to be patient or whatever, like that that's immediately the first thought I had. He's just latching on to that one anecdote and extrapolating it to the whole system. So I don't. I really... mean, it seemed to me like he he he'd been dying to say this and like found yeah. the the opportunity to just dump this on everyone. To be it perfectly honest, broad, I find seemed overly broad to be like the entire yes. minor league system doesn't do shit for the their hitters. Like that doesn't sound right. That doesn't. It's of course, of course, it's not right. And uh, what, like Tristan Casas didn't develop into a good hitter in the Red Sox minor league system? Like I, to be honest, I'm, I'm, I kind of hate all the discussion, pro or con, about what a team and what this Red Sox team is doing to revamp the development staff, because that is something that we are, we meaning fans and the media are truly not at all capable of evaluating whatsoever. So you see these stories that like... To give Bloom some credit whatsoever. If his lasting contribution is actually rebuilding the entire scouting infrastructure, that's good. However, as we talked about with the person who was trolling us uh everything is his job it's not just that and it's it's also the 40-man roster it's all his job now maybe he's and he's making those decisions like forget like forget about it from a symbolic like he is absolutely the guy who is deciding Bearclaw gets called up he's absolutely the guy who's deciding who gets dropped out of the 40-man any implication that he's not is garbage and should be tossed out so like if if anyone is going to try to imply that just stop listening to them at all he is 100 percent making this but it doesn't sound like he's going anywhere this offseason i don't know about that i honestly don't i don't don't think this i'll just tell you why the pressure is now officially on like it's it well here's here's what i'll say i think that I, i i think that john henry could conceivably like what Heim Bloom has done and still decide to let him go this offseason. And I based that on 
the notion Brian, that Brian Sabian existing. When, no, the notion that when Henry fired Dombrowski, there was this idea that he did Dombrowski did what he was supposed to do. Obviously, the team won the, the division three state out, years and, and it was just over. And it, well, no, that's not even what I was just going to say. Not that, that right but now it makes sense. Over, I'm but that, saying it makes sense. Oh, sorry, go ahead. But, but like, that, it makes sense. <laughs> the notion that the reason why they needed to let Dombrowski go was because the team was in state X when he was brought in and then was in state Y five years later. State Y being, in that case, the farm system relatively depleted um, and a lot of money on the books. And Henry decided he did a good job. But the job has changed now, and he's no longer the man for it. So in other words, Dombrowski wasn't being fired for, if you believe this, wasn't being fired for any particular mistakes, whether that's the sale contract or the price contract or whatever, but just that Henry viewed the job as having shifted and wanted a different type of person to be in. I mean, and isn't now it, you can make the same argument that Dombo was fired because – Henry was like, you have to trade Boogie Betts. And Dombo was like, absolutely fucking no. not. I, don't, I do not think that is documented. Oh, okay. I don't think that's. that's I mean, I think that people have. No, I mean, there have been whispers about that. I think I've, I think I've heard just as, as many whispers that Dombrowski went, you know, had to had to get approval for the sale contract. And basically had to state his case as to why the contract would work out. And when Chris Sale's arm blew up immediately, that they may have said, wow, you were very wrong about this. Yeah, that's a very, that, if, if that's true, that's a very stupid decision to make. But yeah, getting rid of Donald I, I think it is possible. Decision. I think it is possible that they viewed him as no longer the right man for the team as it currently was. And if that's the case, and if that's the case, what I'm saying now is you could very easily say, okay, in He's 2019, the guy right now, wanted, bring him back, baby. They wanted somebody who would focus on rebuilding the depth and focus on rebuilding the minor leaguers. I am Bloom did that. But now you could say, we don't know if he's the right guy to now put the major league roster over the hump. So I, what I'm saying is I absolutely can see a scenario where John Henry is both A, mostly satisfied with Bloom's job, but B, still lets him go in the offseason. I totally agree. I mean, look. I, I totally see, agree. Like, he, he's done what yeah. he was brought here to do, but the I think that the Bluminati thinks that this is – a one-to-one relationship with building it with, with building an, uh, an actual real life in real time title team. And I think that Henry may not think that as I do not think that like, yeah, Bloom can do these things. And no, I, I even don't want to say, I don't want to diminish what he's done because he has done a very good job of building the minor league system, but that it's all about what you do. And what he's done is not suggested that he will build like, could he maybe, but would he build an actual title winning team? I don't know about that. Maybe he's best at doing 
what he's done the last few years and that showing him the door would be better for the organization. I don't know. I'm certainly willing to consider it. And the Kyle Barraclaw game made me way more willing than anything that has happened in the last three years by far. By far. I mean, I've always thought that he's um, a pretty average GM. And yes, we're going to say the term GM. Anyone out there who's proud of knowing that he's actually the president of baseball operations and who proudly tells people, actually, that's the wrong title. Just shut up. He checks shut every up. ball before it goes out there. He's the president of baseball operations. Yeah. So we're going to call him the GM because that's what that that's what his job title has been called for 50 years. Um, I don't see a lot of evidence to suggest he's any better than sort of most than the average GM right now. Seems I very, think yeah, the he farm seems system, average, which is not. Yeah, the farm system has improved, but it's improved simply by virtue of the fact that they haven't moved a single prospect in four years. Like again, if any team does that, would their farm system would skyrocket up the rankings as well? Um, you know, I think he's very he's 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 unearthed a couple of diamonds for sure. Like everyone's going to point to the Whitlock trade or not even trade. He was picked. He was a, a rule five guy. Everyone's going to point to that for years and sure. Be proud of picking up Garrett Whitlock. Like I said, the Christian Vasquez trade is probably going to look like a win when it's all said and done. If you I discount you. the effect of I trading a starting catcher from a team in the postseason. Um, and the minor league system is what it is. Um, but I just don't, I, I don't think he's done anything that a lot of other GMs couldn't have done. Uh, so I don't know, but it seems like it's seems like it's either going to be him or Cora this off season. I'm probably more likely Cora. And frankly, yeah, I mean, I'd be- I, I think, but here's the thing. I think Kyan Bloom wants to be the GM of the Red Sox or the president of the dick shit operations next year. Yeah. I don't think Cora wants to be the, the, the manager. Of the Red Sox. I, yeah. I feel like he's just like I have had enough of this, uh, and I don't it seems blame like him. it. <laughs> I don't blame like the the Barrico game was another example of like, oh, you're just it's just it's the Veritech time. Let's just let's just get it over with. Give it to Veritech. Uh, yeah, I'd, it, I'd be. If Veritech is like not Alex the next Moore. manager, I will fucking be shocked. I like Alex Cora. I also I do too. I do too. Truly, I truly believe that uh, who the manager is is really not that important. I really do believe that in in my bones. Like we all know that. Like, like there's this isn't football. This isn't basketball. There's no schemes. Like Alex Cora doesn't have a system that players have to learn. Uh, managers, there's very little that managers can do to actually impact the flow of the game. When it comes to the areas where they can actually impact the flow of the game, every manager in baseball makes the same decision ninety-five percent of the time. Um, they're just they're just the, the the biggest part of their job by far is managing the players in the clubhouse. Yeah, it's just bureaucracy. By all accounts, Cora is very up, good at that. It's straight up people. And it's, people po- it's bureaucracy and it's politics and it's being able to talk to people. By all accounts, Alex Cora is very good at that, and so I've always liked him for that reason. 
but I also believe that there are a lot of managers um, that could be very good at that. Uh, so would I be sad to see him go? Yeah, I liked him. Um, but it also doesn't bother me. I'm reminded, so again, to uh, to bring up a rival podcast um, that I've mentioned on our pod before, that Joe Posnanski and Michael Schur do a podcast that's kind of about baseball called the podcast. And they, they regularly have on Brandon McCarthy, the former big league pitcher, who I think they just sort of became friends with on Twitter. And they asked, I, I remember an episode they asked him one day, um, because someone, some manager had just gotten fired. I don't remember who it was. And they asked Brandon McCarthy and they were like, Hey, so they were like, what's it like in a big league clubhouse? Like when the manager gets fired and, and they were discussing it in the context of, as the media often says, does it like light a fire under the, you know, under the players that like, Oh shit, we just got this guy's, you know, we just got this guy's cans, you know, we need to step it up. And Brandon McCarthy. And he said, he was like, well, Usually what happened is like I'll get a text from one of my buddies on the team and he'll be like, oh, shit, so-and-so got canned. Did you see that? And I'll be like, oh, yeah, man, tough break. And then he'll be like, so what time are you getting to the yard today? <laughs> and that was it. And he was like literally – now that might be – maybe that's a little different for pitchers than it is for everyday players. But he was very clear. He was like the manager didn't matter to me <laughs> when yeah. I was playing. It didn't. Yeah. Um, and I think that's probably largely true. It's, I think it's I think it's more true for pitchers and position players, more true for veterans than for younger players. But I think it's generally true. So I like Alex Cora. I don't think this is his fault, but I I'm not going to get too upset. I I truly don't think he's going to be the manager next year. Just to be perfectly honest, I think that's just so. It's not that something has to change, but something sort of does have to change but it 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 can be a superficial thing and i think that cora is the perfect i think he'd be thrilled with it to go be the manager of the mets or something um dude i don't i don't think there'll be an opening because i think they like bob melvin but alex cora to san diego next year would that would be one hell of a move he would be perfect he would be perfect for that roster he truly, truly would. He's not going to have a problem getting a job. I do have to take issue with you. And I love these two people individually, but I can't imagine listening to Joe Paz and Michael Schur not falling asleep. I'm sorry. It is. Dude, Have you haven't listened to that podcast at all? God, no. It is. Hell no. It is such. Oh, man. It is such a good podcast. It truly, truly is. I'll send you some representative samples. They do a really wonderful job. Okay. If you say so. I I, I just can't imagine listening to those two and not falling asleep. Like, All right. All right. I, you are falling asleep right now. That's very true. That's very true. And listening to uh, me. He, like the entirety of Fire Joe Morgan. The entirety of Fire Joe Morgan. listeners are going to be able to tell. The entirety of Fire Joe Morgan sort of went past me. Like I just really you yeah. did, you were not a Fire Joe Morgan guy. Not at all. Oh my! It's not God. that I. It's I was not that I. It's not that I was a hater. It's just that I wasn't an an avid consumer. Oh my God! I was obsessed with it, and then even I, I still like 
maybe once a year or so I'll go back and reread some old stuff. And I still make a joke to myself that nobody gets about Joe Maurer uh, sticking his penis inside a World Series ring. <laughs> well, I certainly don't get it, but I like the joke. Yeah. Now you're telling me you don't want to read about that? <laughs> okay. I mean, I, I definitely. Okay. Yes. Yes. You know that like one of my my favorite baseball community on Twitter or X or whatever the fuck you want to call it is the uh, trans gay man uh, baseball fan community. And they love all the Phillies and a lot of Red Sox and Nate Eovaldi. And they're just like talking about butts. And this is not my (laughs) thing that I love, but they're so, so constantly into it and hilarious about it that it is it's lovely it's it's a it's the power of the internet then so nate Eovaldi has a good butt apparently like i gotta tell you the gays love nate Eovaldi. really yes i did not know that he was uh, and reese Hosk- reese hoskins another one he's got such big ears Big wide ears. They, I'm telling you, man. I'm gonna, I'm gonna tag them when we post this, and ask them to respond, and they're gonna be like, "Hell, fucking <laughs> yeah!" Uh, all right. Anyhow, all right. Do you have a recommendation? We're 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 getting. I do have a recommendation. Here. We are. I'm gonna recommend a movie. It's a movie called Polite Society. Have you heard of it? came out last year. No. Um, so it's not... It, it came out last year. So here's the plot. It takes place in the, like, uber-wealthy world of um, British-Pakistani immigrants in London. And the plot is there are these two sisters. Uh, one is a high schooler, and she dreams of being a stunt woman and spends all her time, like, recording stunt videos on YouTube. And her older sister is like an art school dropout. And the older sister ends up sort of getting uh, like matchmakered up with this young doctor. And the younger sister doesn't like the match and tries to stop it. Pretty basic plot, right? But here's the thing. This movie is actually, I would say, a kind of unlike any other movie I've ever seen. In that what I said about the So the, the thing about the 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 younger sister wanting to be a stunt woman. The movie is shot and told basically as like a love letter to cheesy action movies. And so there are scenes where it's just like a fight between two girls in, in a fancy private school, but it's like shot like the matrix. Um, and it's funny and cheeky and it gets that that incredibly basic sort of like Jane Austen X, X plot that I explained um, gets thrown for a completely bizarre and absurdist loop in the middle of it. Uh, and it's just really good. It was delightful. And it's uh, I think you can rent it for like five bucks on Amazon or whatever. So Polite Society, highly recommended. Very, very nice one. Uh, I was a little torn. What I was going to recommend. I'm, I'm going to keep it basic. Uh, minestrone soup. You should make it. 
<laughs> it's not soup season. It's 98 degrees today. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It, it does matter. It does. I matter. saw an Instagram I post where there's like, I saw an Instagram post where the person was like, "This family made this minestrone every day, and they lived longer than any other family." So I make it if it's 85 degrees or 35 degrees. And I saw that and I said, "I believe everything you're saying. I'm going to follow it." And I have to tell you, I made some fucking good ass soup. Um, the sequel, the sequel to 500 laps of summer, which you did twice and then God stopped, damn. where we're tracking how many laps I did you made. I, I, did, be, I did do 100. 500 laps. That's of course end. you did. It was like I said from day one. It was too too low a goal. But then of course you had 500 laps. Then, but now the sequel is going to be: Can Brian keep making minestrone, and can it keep him alive until he's 100 years old? And we'll just check in. We'll just keep do, doing this podcast. I, I, I mean, I'm, I'm not even joking. It is very filling and gives me energy. <laughs> it's nice. It's nice. I got no, I got nothing else. You know what doesn't give me energy? The Boston Red Sox. Uh, I think we but, I but we don't say, have we don't have much we don't have much. I thought you were gonna say this podcast because uh, yeah, the low energy is apparent. Look, look, man, it's not all fucking roses. I think we're gonna have to go back to daytime recordings. I I I tried yesterday. I tried. You were there. I tried. No, you didn't. I said yesterday. Can we do it like now? Tonight. Uh, you didn't, no, say, no. You didn't say now. That's fair. Well, I wanted to do it today, but I uh, just figured you weren't into it. No. Dan, Dan, is, Dan is saying that I'm neglecting uh, my energetic. You are literally falling asleep. Like I have seen well, I'm you gonna, close. Well, I'm gonna your... watch this whole football game. I'm just exhausted. you may not you you may not be aware of this, but like you have been closing your eyes. That's oh no, I'm doing. I'm very aware. Okay, I, I'm telling you, this has a lot to do with like, and and anyone who listens this long is, I don't care if they hear this. Literally, <laughs> since COVID started, this is the absolute inflection point of my life from COVID unemployment and divorce this weekend. I had a ticket to the Patriots game. This oh, weekend. that's right. You said you were going to come up. But I'm not going because I can't afford to. And you know what? That's fine. Like, my life us. is starting anew like tomorrow <laughs> okay. or the day people live and listen to this. So I'm a little tired tonight. I'm not really sorry. <laughs> Anyhow, that's the Monsters of Socks. This, that's Dan Segatore, I'm Brian Joyner. Dan, say goodbye to the people. Take care, everybody.